welcome to this, the fifth episode of the Foreign Podcast, the uh, podcast for foreigners of every flavour. My name is Mike Bowden, and I'm broadcasting from Odense in Denmark. And you are? I'm Patrick Garrett, and I'm recording this in Montpellier in the south of France. Five episodes, Mike. I feel, Five. I feel, as, though, I feel as though we've achieved something. Yeah, it's, it's almost like it's halfway to ten. That's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, is, uh, which is a kind of, uh, you know, I don't know what, yeah, 10, 10 is double figures, but we'll get there, we'll get there. We're, we're, it was never in question, Mike, we will arrive. So this week we're going to be, um, well, it's going to be your new story, Pat. Yep. And uh, after the uh, roaring success of my one last week, the pressure, <laughs> the pressure is well and truly on. And um, then we're going to talk a bit about uh, Britain. Our favourite subject. I love Britain, Mike. It's my, <laughs> best, my best place. And not just Britain, Pat. You know, the Conservative Party, which is even, Woo, which, yeah, which God, is even better. Yeah, God, yeah. fucking, this, yeah. Is, this is just like the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, so, um, you know, are you ready for Rishi? That's the, uh, <laughs> that's the question. It is anyone. <laughs> is anyone. Let's, uh, uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes, yeah. So if we um, start from... You know, from the beginning with the um, from the top. Mike. Have you got the jingle ready for the uh, new story okay, of the week? <laughs> new story <laughs> of the week. Like, let's go. So, are you ready for my news? Yeah, about hit me with it, please. Okay, let's go. So, the new story I wanted to talk about this week is the uh, march against anti-Semitism, which took place in France a couple of weeks ago on the twelfth of November, uh, and attracted a massive crowd. Uh, 182,000 people marched, uh, of which 100,000, just over 100,000 were were in Paris, a lot of people. Uh, The reason for this is because um, since the start of the war uh, between Israel and Gaza, there's been a a large uh, increase in anti-Semitic incidents in France. I think around 1,400, I think, documented incidents uh, of people painting uh, the Star of David on people's houses, people desecrating mosques, et cetera, et cetera. And really the, uh, the, this march was in, in sort of opposition. Well, no. So really this march was kind of in a, a reaction to the, the, the regular and constant uh, pro-Gaza marches calling for a ceasefire in, in the war. Right. Um, so the reason I wanted to talk about this is because on the face of it, it seems like, you know, obviously everyone would be like united against uh, racial hatred, et cetera, et cetera. But the important thing I think to note is that Marine Le Pen, along with several of her deputies uh, from the Rassemblement National, um, actually attended this march. Um, the, her party is, it was formerly known as the Front National, the National Front, and it's the mainstream face of, of the extreme right in France. Uh, Emmanuel Macron, who yeah. is the, pres- the president of France, uh, La République en Marche, uh, did not participate. And I, I wanted to talk about why, because it, it, may, it may seem a little bit confusing as to why, um, if, you're, if you're not really au fait with, with uh, this very specifically French issue. So, I'd, just to briefly talk about Marine Le Pen, obviously talking about Marine Le Pen is pretty horrible at the best of times, but she's the president of the, as I said, the, the Rassemblement National, which means the National Rally. Um, right. And 
the, her party's policies are primarily anti-Islamic. It's literally the the. And if you go to her website, if you ever should f- feel the need, she has a list of of, of twenty two policies, and number right. one is, in French, arrêter l'immigration incontrôlée en donnant la parole aux Français par référendum, which uh, means stop stop uncontrolled immigration by giving the French a voice through a referendum. And I talked uh, briefly about this uh, immigration bill that's being handed over to the Senate uh, this month um, that's been a lot of toing and froing over it. And it really is centred on this issue of, um, of, of immigration and whether or not the French people should be allowed to, to be able to sort of talk about changes to French immigration policy, which I'm going to outline in a second, uh, via a referendum. Because we all know that when people get the right to have a referendum, it goes really well. I can't, yeah. I can't think of like a... Of, of an issue recently that that went spectacularly well when people were allowed to vote yes or no on things, but uh, I'm sure I'll, we're going to talk about that, talk about on, that yeah. in a little while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so under the this, that this is policy number one, which is like broken down into points. And the the first point underneath underneath that is mettre fin à l'immigration de peuplement et au regroupement familial. So that means. Include uh, that means ending settlement immigration and family reunification. Now, to explain what this means, Mike, yes, uh, I need to provide a little context as to the relationship between Algeria and Morocco and France. Okay, it's it's important because this this is going to explain why uh, Le Pen marched and Macron did. So, for those of you that didn't know, our billions of listeners. Um, <laughs> both Morocco and Algeria were colonized by France. They're, they're both in North Africa, if, you, if you're not aware of that. Um, and really, the, the immigration policies that France has in place relating to Algeria and Morocco were, really, uh, were, were heavily influenced, obviously, by this historical relationship. So as it stands at the moment, uh, Algerian people who have family in France can very easily immigrate to, emigrate to France. So the very briefly, um, in the 50s and 60s, basically Morocco and Algeria um, won independence from France, like violently. And certainly in, in Algeria's case, there was, an, there was a war in Algeria, the Algerian War, uh, which ended in 1962. So like after the war, after the Second World War, there was an explosion in immigration from Algeria to France. Right. Uh, because... Basically, conditions in Algeria were absolutely terrible. They, you know, everyone was like really, really poor. It was really horrible. And basically, France actually encouraged, it made it extremely easy to emigrate from Algeria to France because they wanted to alleviate the situation in Algeria and maintain control of the colony. Um, after the end of the War of Independence, which was pretty horrible, if you ever want to read about it, it's, it, was a, it was pretty spectacularly awful. Um, it was made law that anybody effectively with a, an identity card that was Algerian could circulate completely freely in France. Like, it, it, you know, there was no, it, the, the rules were made extremely easy for people to emigrate from Algeria to France. So kind of as a result of that, like the, the main cause to come from Algeria to France and Morocco was to, was to work. After all this happened, uh, we have what Marine Le Pen calls, and what um, is some some other people call as well, um, l'immigration de peuplement, which means uh, settling immigration, which means that they're just uh, people are just coming here 
uh, as opposed to they don't have to actually justify working to come here. Normally, for example, I don't know if you've ever done anything like this, but say I wanted to go to Australia or I wanted to go to America, I would have to, I would have, to have a, a pretty bloody good reason to do that. Right. I mean, even when I moved to Denmark, my initial kind of uh, permit was a work permit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. But like... That that's not the case here, and it's and that and it's rooted in colonization, effectively. So as it stands now, there are around uh, es- estimated around like just under a million Algerian people in France, and it's the same right. for Moroccan people as well. So just to put that in context, like France has the uh, by far the the largest per capita um, population of of Muslim people in Europe, like. Um, uh, just under 6 million people uh, who live in France are Muslim, which is, uh, I think that's about the size of the population of Denmark, is it? Yeah, Denmark's about five, five and a half million, yeah. Yeah. And um, it also has uh, 6.7 million uh, foreigners in total like live in France, which is roughly 10% of the population. So after all of that... yeah. Now you can see maybe or like why the march against anti-Semitism was such a highly charged event. Because Turn the, in, <laughs> the uh the march actually saw the participation of a lot of like very key political figures, like not just uh, from the from the far right, but from from the government. So like uh the Prime Minister Elizabeth uh, Bourne, she was there, and there were two former presidents there, Nicolas Sarkozy and Francois Hollande, uh, they were both there as well. Um but the the fact that Macron wasn't there does kind of indicate that the issue is is becoming like really or has become like very polarized along left and right lines, uh, and it's all about this immigration policy. Um, so the reason that uh, Le Pen marched, I and mean, she's been heavily criticised for it because the National Front has been historically associated, obviously, with anti-Semitism. Like you know, her father specifically, you know. I'm pretty safe in saying that the guy's a fascist. Like he admitted to uh, uh, torturing people in the Algerian war. He participated actively. Um, they found a, uh, a a dagger, a Nazi youth dagger, with his name inscribed on it. Wow. Uh, yeah, I know it's pretty cool. And uh, <laughs> yeah. like he, he uh, which uh, I think he, um, you know, he, he was pretty obvious. He was a pretty horrible guy. Like you know, Marine Le Pen actually kicked him out of the party in 2015. Because she, like I said, she wanted to obviously make the Rassemblement National more mainstream, yeah. basically, and like so, so getting rid of her dad was like a you know a bit of, a bit like the Kristallnacht, you know, like just <laughs> get, get, get rid of those fucking guys. So um, it sounds she, like the dad who lived next door yeah. to Kevin Spacey in American Beauty. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's seen that film, but uh, yeah. it's literally that day is literally like that. Like it's <laughs> exactly got, the same. Yeah, it's the paraphernalia of World War II. <laughs> So Le Pen March, basically, obviously, she's extremely, you know, right wing. And, um, but she's effectively anti-Muslim and anti-immigration and therefore aligned with a pro-Israel march. So uh, Macron and Jean-Luc Mélenchon, who's the, the far left leader in France as well, they, they refused to march. Like, uh, Mélenchon said that he considered it a whitewashing for the extreme right. And uh, Macron was actually forced to explain his absence. Uh, and he said that he, he had to, like, yet again, he had to sort of say that he's both, like, pro-Israeli and pro-Palestinian. Like, he supports the sort of, like, two-state solution. 
Yeah. So like, you know, he he can't he can't be seen like marching alongside alongside Marine Le Pen. So, in conclusion, Mike, right. the, the march against anti-Semitism shed light on the complex interplay of historical, political, and social factors in French society, challenging the apparent unity against hatred and discrimination. And that's why I wanted to talk about it this week. And that is my news of the week. That last sentence you've read there. Like, <laughs> you, you, I have you, got that read on a bit of paper. Yeah, 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 yeah so, so, you know, that, was, that would have been pretty amazing if all of a sudden you just, um, yeah. Yeah, and um, there you go. in uh, Denmark, there has been uh, a, a, a sort of a nationwide march. Believe it or not, Pat and I talked to each other, so I kind of knew what it was he was going to talk <laughs> about before he actually spoke about it. And I was going to see if there was anything similar. Um, there was a, a sort of a unified march across several cities in Denmark, only so it wasn't one of them, Copenhagen, Aarhus, Ulbo, and a few others. Um, but no numbers were mentioned. I've uh, I've also been uh, looked up that there's um, that just anti-Semitism in general in Denmark, Jews feel that from 2018, uh, anti-Semitism has been rising and mm. many now, quite obviously, after this conflict, feel even more sort of unsafe and insecure. Yeah. And um, the... Um, it's a difficult issue, like in, yeah. in Europe, obviously, like especially in in France, like it's 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 a uh, it's it's a really really loaded question yeah. because uh, France has like as well as the highest population of Muslims in Europe, the highest population of Jewish people in Europe as well. Some half a million Jewish people live in France. Right. Okay. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's true, and also it's important to remember that. Uh, uh, the the Vichy government during the war actually played a pretty key role in the in the Holocaust. You know, so I think some seventy five thousand Jewish people were actually deported from France, and uh, I think more than seventy thousand of them died in Auschwitz. So, like, it's uh, it's it's really really complicated, and mm-hmm. like, it's not. Um, I also like I do need to say this as well. Like the uh, the the march, the demonstration in France is is a really key part of like French political life like marching going out in the street i was actually gonna ask you about that because yeah uh, because yeah i I kind of actually know that you don't have to tell me no no but (laughs) i know that that france is a very kind of um you know people take to the streets to protest so what what i was gonna uh, and and that's something that the french do and Mm. the french are are famous for so i was actually gonna ask you in comparison to other marches even though a hundred thousand people in paris sounds a lot Mm. is it a lot relative to other things it is a lot like i mean it's like i mean i i don't actually know like you know but like uh, in terms of i I think some of the biggest marches that have happened 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 recently (laughs) (laughs) are things like the the gilet jaune process which happened a few years ago against Mm. like the rise in petrol which turned into like a far left thing basically and some some of those some of those um some of those marches were were large but like a like a hundred thousand people anywhere is a lot of people. Yeah, you know absolutely. What I mean? it, it's, uh, yeah. You, know, you know, there are a lot of like in it. You know, even though obviously I sort of talked about the the sort of background of like uh, anti-immigration and and Muslim politics and blah blah. It's um, uh, you know, the huge majority of people on that march were simply there to say like, you know, fucking stop being anti-Semitic, please. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's just like, they're just like normal people that really don't want like uh, religious hatred in their country. You know, yeah. they're, yeah. 
you know, I, I think you know a lot of people on those marches where you know they they go to the the ceasefire marches as well, which are effectively pro pro Gaza. You see a lot of uh, Palestinian flags there as well. But um, but yeah, it's it's it, I think it's important to understand like the the place of the demonstration in French politics. Obviously, France is is the home of the revolution. You know, if you uh, if you if you want to say something, you go out onto the streets, and that's that's why like Macron not being there and Marine Le Pen being there is like really significant. What's up? But how has this kind of gone down? Um, I was going to say internationally, but I, I don't mean it. I mean like within the French people, as has like. Is it as uh, it's controversial on a yeah on a kind of uh, yeah on a political level? But is mm. is is it something that the the general public kind of care about? That yeah, like it, it, it is. Well, no, I, well, I'm it not sure his about numbers. You know, basically, I'm not. I'm not sure about that. I think like what's more important is the is the fact that Le Pen was there more more than Macron not mm. being there. Macron not being on a march. I mean, it's just kind of like here and there. I mean, like. It, well, I say, I say that it, it is significant, but like it's not. Um, what What's really important is that like Marine Le Pen was there. Marine Le Pen is a fascist. You know, she's like, you know, she wants to get rid of. You know, she wants to stop people coming to our country, stop people like using our hospitals. You know, that aren't French, etc. Like, yeah. you know, prioritize French people for jobs, for social housing. She wants to cut benefits for non-French people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, she's she's far right. So the fact that she she basically marches on this march isn't just saying I want people to stop discriminating against Jews. That's not what it is. I mean, yeah, partly obviously, but like it's also it means that like she's saying this is this is a this is a place that I want to be politically. I want to be in this crowd. Yeah. So like if uh, you know it you know which sta- which crowd you stand in like you know on on a Saturday or a Sunday in France really does matter. They you know there are pro Gaza rallies like every Saturday in Montpellier. Okay. You know like th- thousands of people in the middle of Montpellier every Saturday waving Palestinian flags. That that is something that is happening at the moment. So uh, so yeah. Yeah. There you go. News of the week. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It. There you go. That was interesting. Thank you very much. That's okay, Mike. Give me call and then let's hear about fucking Britain. Let's go. Oh my god. Go on, let's let's hear it. This would better be good. Yeah, I mean I don't know where Do you know to start. I mean? Come on, come on, let's go. I don't go. know where to start. Um <laughs> we could start in 2016. There was a vote. Let's no, fuck I mean, it. let's start at the beginning, Mike. Let's go. Well, well I'll start at the news. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a news story, really, uh, that triggered the whole thing. But it actually does branch a little bit over to France and it also branches to Denmark and it also branches to Britain now and uh, Britain in the not so distant, not too distant past. But Rishi Sunak uh, is the prime minister of Great Britain and uh, <laughs> he wants to uh, he wants to stop the boats, Pat. He wants to stop the boats. Which, Those which, fucking boats? That's it, which, which, you know, and... Boats for anyone listening is dinghies, and because uh, yeah, I mean, but it's just the imagery of of the word. You know, what I mean, stop the boats. It's like Britain is surrounded by these sort of warships, being you know, invaded. And, yeah, sort of invading the country. And what it's about is that there are people uh, crossing the uh, English Channel um, from France, who Britain kind of, um, according to Al Jazeera, I need to get my sources clear. Sort of, mm. there are there is a certain amount of blame on that the French aren't doing enough mm. to sort mm. of uh, stop them. 
to the friend just saying, yeah, go on, come, come through, cross the channel, that's fine. <laughs> and um, so Rishi Sunak and, I mean, I didn't actually know this, I, I'm, and I, I haven't had enough time to research the sort of the chicken and egg because the Danish Prime Minister, Meta Feigsen, she also had this fantastic idea that uh, we don't want loads of people, uh, we've got a complete backlog of asylum seekers Mm. Um, a lot of them maybe have just crossed the border illegally. So let's send them to Rwanda. <laughs> where else? <laughs> yeah, where else? <laughs> and um, and Rishi Sunak had, um, or no, Boris Johnson actually had the initial idea. So mm. most likely it was just another great British idea that um, that maybe the Danish government also borrowed. But uh, in, so, like, in- just uh, sorry, like, does do you actually know why? Why you Rwanda? Like I, I don't. I, I've, I've obviously I've seen the headlines, but I don't actually know why Rwanda is like because the I think, place. I think um, from what I can gather, and so the answer is no. I don't precisely know, but Rwanda wants the money. We're going to pay okay, them one hundred and fifty right. million uh, US dollars. Ah. Or we, yeah, and I say we. I don't mean Denmark now. I mean uh, I mean Britain. One hundred and fifty okay. US dollars. And they okay. said, yeah, we've got the space and we've got the infrastructure. Um, okay, okay. So uh, Boris Johnson wanted it done. And weirdly enough, uh, loads of human rights organizations sort of were uh, a bit up in arms about it, uh, mainly uh, for, for many reasons. Uh, what, one reason is that Rwanda apparently isn't safe. It's, yeah. uh, they also have their own kind of long list of uh, maybe human rights record that isn't so sort of savoury and need further investigation. Mm-hmm. And also because a lot of these people who uh, are on the boats, Pat, on the boats coming over the yeah. channel, the asylum, <laughs> asylum seekers, um, yeah. are pretty tired and, <laughs> and, and, and have gone through quite a lot to get from where they were to where they are now. And um, they've also have most likely mental health issues mm. and stress and trauma from the war, and then kind of boxing them up and flying them to uh, a foreign country that has du- uh, dubious human, uh, well, not a foreign country, obviously they're in a foreign country, but uh, a country far, far away from where they want to be that has a dubious human rights record that there's also quite a high chance of them deporting mm. them back to the country they came from, from Rwanda is maybe not a good thing. So, and it's all France's fault. No, it's not. It's, uh, so, but yeah, but, but, but so France and Denmark kind of are, are in the picture slightly. But anyway, um, Boris Johnson had the idea. Rishi Sunak, uh, one of his pledges was he's going to okay. stop the boats. And, um, but now the uh, UK Supreme Court has deemed... Uh, Rwanda okay. to be unsafe. So they've looked at, uh, they've spoke to human rights organisations and people out there in Rwanda, and they've come to the conclusion that it's not safe. And so that kind of scuppers okay. Rishi's plans. And you know, if the story ended there, well, what's Rishi going to do about it, Mike? <laughs> well, Rishi, <laughs> don't you know? Don't mess with Rishi because he is now gonna. Uh, make some emergency okay. uh, legislation. Wicked to say that it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 
and nothing is going to stop him. And these kind of kangaroo <laughs> European courts of human rights in Strasbourg, he's going to fight them as well. Like, because you know obviously, I mean. obviously, you know, post-Brexit, we are not going to allow foreign courts to dictate Well, UK after Brexit, my Britain took back control. You know, this that's is it. it. And this, this is, is Richie like... taking control. This is, what, this is what control looks like. And... And the story, again, would be funny, <laughs> tragic funny, if it ended there. But the guy, right, the guy that is the new foreign secretary that's going to fight these battles, he's going to put these European courts of human rights, which Britain kind of actually were the first people to sign in, like, 1951, doesn't matter, going to put them in their place, is uh, an excuse, excuse my language, <laughs> is David fucking Cameron, Pat. Say it ain't it's David so. Cameron. Oh my god! <laughs> and David Cameron, David Cameron was the guy who, to appease the far right in his own party, the, the only reason was to shut people like um, Rees Mogg, um, etc., etc. Uh, conservative politicians who are far right. If you don't know these people's names, it doesn't matter. Uh, to shut them up and to stop talking about so- sovereignty and taking back control. Okay. We'll have a vote if we should be in Europe or not. Um, we'll we'll win that, and then you can shut mm. up, and then I can get on with my job. No, things didn't work out. Went a bit wrong. How we planned them but... to. It went a bit wrong, and because they didn't work out how he planned, because he mm. campaigned to remain in Europe. So David Cameron campaigned for British foreign policy in a way to adhere to mm. European law, and now and now he is going to be the guy that's going to say, well, you can shove your European law up your ass because we're Britain and we're, and, and we're going to make, you know, we'll, we've it. got our UK Bill of Rights and our yours. UK Bill of Rights <laughs> trumps. It's better than yours. And, uh, and we're going to, nothing is going to stop those planes from okay. leaving to Rwanda. And um, I just think it's, you know, yeah, as I said, Cameron resigned. He then kind of retreated to some, I don't know, some shack in the mountains for like seven years. And then we had we had to endure Theresa May and then who no one voted for. Boris Johnson, who no one voted for. And then people did actually vote for, which is, you know, mm. you get the politicians you deserve, Britain. And, um, you know, he was drinking, uh, yeah, he, he was drinking with his mates at Christmas while the Queen couldn't go and see her dead husband. And uh, amongst, uh, and, and also covered up for his kind of, uh, for one of his colleagues sending sort of uh, sexist sort of messages to other people and stuff. In the end, lost his job. And so then we get Rishi Sunak, who no one votes for. Um, I think I read that the British economy is still suffering after mm. the consequences of Brexit. And so obviously the amount of money, £31 million or something, or £31 billion a year is being used on asylum seekers, and that's why we want to send them off to mm. Rwanda, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, we'd have a bit more money if you know, we didn't fucking leave yeah. Europe, you idiots. But the guy responsible for all of it, you know, responsible for everything, David Cameron, is now the guy going to war, with your- Pat, with, uh, the, with the European call. <laughs> well, not just, I mean, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? It's, it's not just Europe. But it's the European Court of Human Rights, you know. That's that, that, that's the, the that's enemy. the target. That's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, oh the enemy. God. So, um, so in a way, I mean, how do you feel about it? 
I, uh, <laughs> How do you feel about that fact? There you go. I'm pretty glad I'm not an asylum seeker trying to get into Britain, <laughs> put it that way. Like, um, I, I think uh, for, foreignness in, in Europe can be, can be pretty tricky, but uh, uh, foreignness in Britain is just like a special brand of foreign. Like, I, I don't, um, you know, I, I just, uh, I, I, I just, Britain just shocks me at every turn, like every level. But there's a, there's a great Guardian article. I just love the, the headline of it. I mean, I can link it for people that want to read it. It's, um, it's written by a woman called Helena von Bismarck, and she's a Hamburg-based historian specialising in UK-German relations. But the headline says it all. In Europe, we can't help laughing at David Cameron's return. <laughs> but it also says, <laughs> but she also adds, but we welcome it too, because he's slightly more centrist um, in general, maybe mm. not on the issue of immigration, but slightly more centrist than Rishi and his cronies then maybe, even though there's only, hopefully, only less than a year left for, for Sunak, that maybe he'd be a good mm. empty person to deal with rather oh, than the idiots that, uh, Britain has, uh, that, that Britain has sent previously. But, yeah, even yeah, so Europe's laughing again at Britain for, with David Cameron being uh, for, uh, foreign right. secretary. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, um, I, I just had to get it out there. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll get back to... Uh... To what it was like being at school next week, Mike. <laughs> yeah, that's it. yeah, we'll go we'll go back to the more kind of delicate issues of uh, what it was like for me and you being here. <laughs> yeah, this, that's it. this was an easy one. So um, there's been no uh, contact uh, this week, Pat. The uh, the audience, I think, they're so stunned. <laughs> they they, uh, they, 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 they haven't re- they haven't been able to reach out. They're probably just they just don't know what to say. The floor. That's it. But if you do, um, you know, if you can text while you're lying on the floor, please stunned, speak to us. Then, then, then you can. We are uh, uh, available for email at theforeignpodcast at gmail You can also, um, as the cool kids say, slide into <laughs> our DMs at at at, at foreign podcast. Uh, that sounds really kind of sort of, sort of strange sexual undertones. That, but anyway, yeah. So uh, uh, you you can message us, direct message us on on Instagram um, uh, at, at foreign podcast, and um, yeah. And I think I think that probably wraps it up, does it not? I think that's a, that 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 was episode number five, Mike. Yeah, and until next time, episode six, Pat. Episode six. And the onus is uh, the onus is on me now to uh, yeah to, to to top your uh, to top your um, my new, um, my news of the week yeah the news of the week yeah yeah looking forward to it okay mate okay oh, okay everyone right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening and we'll see you yeah. next time yeah bye-bye. bye bye